0: Section 16 of the Satyricon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Denny Sayers. The Satyricon by Gaius Petronius Arbiter. Volume 4. Chapters 117-124 through ENCOPIUS, GITON, AND EUMOLPUS ESCAPE BY SEA CHAPTER 117 EUMOLPUS, WHO HAD A DEEPER INSIGHT, TURNED THIS STATE OF AFFAIRS OVER IN HIS MIND, AND DECLARED THAT HE WAS NOT DISPLEASED WITH THE PROSPECT OF THAT KIND. I THOUGHT THE OLD FELLOW WAS JOKING IN THE CARE-FREE WAY OF POETS, UNTIL HE COMPLAINED, if i could only put up a better front i mean that i wish my clothing was in better taste that my jewellery was more expensive all this would lend colour to my deception i would not carry this scrip by hercules i would not i would lead you all to great riches for my part i undertook to supply whatever my companion in robbery had need of provided he would be satisfied with the garment and with whatever spoils the villa of Lycurgus had yielded when we robbed it. As for money against present needs, the mother of the gods would see to that out of regard to her own good name. Well, what's to prevent our putting on an extravaganza? demanded Eumolpus. Make me the master if the business appeals to you no one ventured to condemn a scheme by which he could lose nothing and so that the lie would be kept safe among us all we swore a solemn oath the words of which were dictated by eumolpus to endure fire chains flogging death by the sword and whatever else eumolpus might demand of us just like regular gladiators after the oath had been taken WE PAID OUR RESPECTS TO OUR MASTER WITH PRETENDED servility, AND WERE INFORMED THAT EUMOPUS HAD LOST A SON, A YOUNG MAN OF GREAT ELOQUENCE AND PROMISE, AND THAT IT WAS FOR THIS REASON THE POOR OLD MAN HAD LEFT HIS NATIVE LAND THAT HE MIGHT NOT SEE THE COMPANIONS AND CLIENTS OF HIS SON, NOR EVEN HIS TOMB, WHICH WAS THE CAUSE OF HIS DAILY TEARS, To this misfortune, a recent shipwreck had been added, in which he had lost upwards of two millions of sesterces. Not that he minded the loss, but destitute of a train of servants, he could not keep up his proper dignity. Furthermore, he had invested in Africa thirty millions of sesterces in estates and bonds, such a horde of his slaves was scattered over the fields of numidia that he could have even sacked carthage we demanded that eumolpus cough frequently to further this scheme that he have trouble with his stomach and find fault with all the food when in company that he keep talking of trouble and silver and estates the incomes from which were not what they should be and of the everlasting unproductiveness of the soil, that he cast up his accounts daily, that he revised the terms of his will monthly, and for fear any detail should be lacking to make the farce complete, he was to use the wrong names whenever he wished to summon any of us, so that it would be plain to all that the master had in mind some who were not present, when everything had been thus provided for we offered a prayer to the gods that the matter might turn out well and happily and took to the road but Giton could not bear up under his unaccustomed load and the hired servant korax a shirker of work often put down his own load and cursed our haste swearing that he would either throw his packs away or run away with his load what do you take me for a beast of burden he grumbled or a scow for carrying stone i hired out to do the work of a man not that of a pack-horse and i'm as free as you are even if my father did leave me poor not satisfied with swearing he lifted up his leg from time to time and filled the road with an obscene noise and a filthy stench Giton laughed at his impudence and imitated every explosion with his lips but eumolpus relapsed into his usual vein even in spite of this chapter the one hundred and eighteenth young men said he many are they who have been seduced by poetry FOR THE INSTANT A MAN HAS COMPOSED A VERSE IN FEET, AND HAS WOVEN A MORE DELICATE MEANING INTO IT BY MEANS OF CIRCUMLOCUTIONS, HE STRAIGHTWAY CONCLUDES THAT HE HAS SCALED HELICON. TAKE THOSE WHO ARE WORN OUT BY THE DISTRESSING DETAIL OF THE LEGAL PROFESSION, FOR EXAMPLE. THEY OFTEN SEEK SANCTUARY IN THE TRANQUILLITY OF POETRY as a more sheltered haven believing themselves able more easily to compose a poem than a rebuttal charged with scintillating epigrams but a more highly cultivated mind loves not this conceited affectation nor can it either conceive or bring forth unless it has been steeped in the vast flood of literature every word that is what i would call low ought to be avoided and the phrases far removed from plebeian usage should be chosen let ye rabble rout avaunt be your rule in addition care should be exercised in preventing the epigrams from standing out from the body of the speech they should gleam with the brilliancy woven into the fabric homer is an example and the lyric poets, and our Roman Virgil, and the exquisite propriety of Horace. Either the others did not discover the road that leads to poetry, or, having seen it, they feared to tread it. Whoever attempts that mighty theme, the Civil War, for instance, will sink under the load unless he is saturated with literature, Events, past and passing, ought not to be merely recorded in verse. The historian will deal with them far better. By means of circumlocutions and the invention of the immortals, the free spirit, racked by the search for epigrams, having a mythological illusion, should plunge headlong and appear as the prophecy of a mind inspired, rather than the attested faith of scrupulous exactitude in speech this hasty composition may please you even though it has not yet received its final polishing chapter the one hundred and nineteenth the conquering roman now held the whole world in his sway the ocean the land where the sun shone by day or the moon gleamed by night but unsated was he and the seas were roiled by the weight of his deep laden keels if a bay lay hidden beyond or a land which might yield yellow gold twas held as a foe while the struggle for treasure went on the fates were preparing the horrors and scourges of war Amusements enjoyed by the vulgar no longer can charm, nor pleasures worn threadbare by the use of the plebeian mob. The bronzes of Corinth are praised by the soldier at sea, and glittering gems sought in earth vie with purple of tyre. Numidia curses her here, there the exquisite silks of china, "'Arabia's people have stripped their own fields. "'Behold other woes and calamities, "'outraging peace. "'Wild beasts in the forest are hunted for gold, "'and remote African Haman is covered by beaters "'for fear that some beast that slays men with his teeth "'shall escape, for by that his value to men is enhanced.' the vessels receive strange ravening monsters the tiger behind gilded bars and pacing his cage is transported to rome that his jaws may drip with the life-blood of men to the plaudits of men oh shame to point out our impending destruction the crime of persia enacted anew in his puberty's bloom the man-child is kidnapped surrenders his power to the knife is forced to the calling of venus delayed and hedged round the hurrying passage of life's finest years is held back and nature seeks nature but finds herself not everywhere these frail limbed and mincing effeminates flowing of locks bedecked with an infinite number of garments of silk whose names ever change the wantons and lechers to snare are eagerly welcomed from african soil now behold the citron wood tables their well burnished surface reflects our tyrian purples and slaves by the horde and whose spots resemble the gold that is cheaper than they, and ensnare extravagance. Sterile and ignobly prized is the wood, but round it is gathered a company sodden with wine, and soldiers of fortune, whose weapons have rusted, devour the spoils of the world. Art caters to appetite. Ras from sicily brought to their table alive in his own sea-water the oysters from lucrine's shore torn at the feast are served to make famous the host and the appetite cloyed to tempt by extravagance phasis has now been despoiled of birds its literal, silent no sound there is heard save only the wind as it rustles among the last leaves corruption no less vile is seen in the campus of mars our quirites are bribed and for plunder and promise of gain their votes they will alter the people is venal corrupt the senate support has its price and the freedom and worth of age is decayed scattered largesse now governs their power corrupted by gold even dignity lies in the dust. Cato, defeated and hooted by mobs, but the victor is sadder, ashamed to have taken the rods from a Cato. In this lay the shame of the nation, and character's downfall. T'was not the defeat of a man, no. The power and the glory of Rome were brought low. Represented in him was the honour of sturdy, republican rome so abandoned and wretched the city has purchased dishonour has purchased herself despoiled by herself no avenger to wipe out the stigma twin maelstroms of debt and of usury suck down the commons no home with clear title no citizen free from a mortgage but as some slow wasting disease all unheralded fastens its hold on the vitals destroying the vigor of manhood so fear of the evils impending impels them to madness despair turns to violence luxuries ravages needs must repaired be by bloodshed for indigence safely can venture can art or sane reason Rouse wallowing Rome from the awful, And break the voluptuous slumber In which she is sunken? Or must it be fury and war And the bloodlust of daggers? Chapter the 120th Three chieftains did fortune bring forth, Whom the fury of battles destroyed, And interred, each one under a mountain of weapons. The Parthian was Crassus, Pompeius the great by the waters of Egypt lies, Julius ungrateful Rome stained with his life-blood, and earth has divided their ashes, unable to suffer the weight of so many tombs. These are the wages of glory. There lies between Naples and great Puzioli a chasm deep cloven and cocytus churns there his current the vapor in fury escapes from the gorge with that lethal spray laden no green in the autumn is there no grass gladdens the meadow the supple twigs never resound with the twittering singing of birds in the springtime but chaos Volcanic black boulders of pumice Lie happy within their drear setting of cypress. Amidst these infernal surroundings The ruler of Hades Uplifted his head by the funeral flames Silhouetted and sprinkled with white From the ashes of corpses And challenged winged fortune In words such as these. O thou fickle controller of things upon earth! And in heaven, securities, foemen, O oh, chance, O oh, thou lover eternally faithful to change, and possessions betrayer, dost own thyself crushed by the power of Rome? Canst not raise up the tottered mass to its downfall? Its strength, the young manhood of Rome now despises, and staggers in bearing the booty heaped up by all its efforts behold how they lavish their spoils wealth run mad now brings down their destruction they build out of gold and their palaces reach to the heavens the sea is expelled by their moles and their pastures are oceans they war against nature in changing the state of creation they threaten my kingdom earth yawns with their tunnels deep driven to furnish the stone for their madmen's foundations already the mountains are hollowed and now but re-echoing caverns while man quarries marble to serve his vainglorious purpose the spirits infernal confess that they hope to win heaven arise then o chance change thy countenance peaceful to warlike and hairy the romans consigned to my kingdom the fallen ah long is it now since my lips were with blood cooled and moistened nor has my tessiphony bathed her blood-lusting body since sulla's sword drank to repletion and earth's bristling harvest grew ripe upon blood and thrust up to the light Of the sunshine chapter the one hundred and twenty first he spake and attempted to clasp the right hand of fortuna but ruptured the crust of the earth deeply cloven asunder then from her capricious heart fortuna made answer o father whom cositas deepest abscesses obey if to forecast the future I may, without fear, thy petition shall prosper. For no less consuming the anger that wars in this bosom, the flame no less poignant that burns to my marrow. All favours I gave to the bulwarks of Rome, now I hate them. My gifts I repent, the same God who built up their dominion shall bring down destruction, upon it in burning their manhood my heart shall delight and its blood-lust shall slake with their slaughter now philippi's field i can see strewn with dead of two battles and thessaly's funeral pyres and iberia mourning already the clangour of arms thrills my ears and rings loudly thou libyan nile i can see now thy barriers groaning in actium's gulf and apollo's darts quailing the warriors then open thy thirsty dominions and summon fresh spirits for scarce will the ferryman's strength be sufficient to carry the souls of the dead in his skiff a fleet that is needed thou pallid Tisiphone, slake with wide ruin thy thirsting and tear ghastly wounds mangled earth sinks to hell and the spirits chapter the one hundred and twenty second but scarce had she finished when trembled the clouds and a gleaming bright flash of jove's lightning transfixed them with flame and was gone the lord of the shades blanched with fear at this bolt of his brothers sank back and drew closely together the gorge in earth's bosom by auspices straightway the slaughter of men and the evils impending are shown by the gods here the titan unsightly blood-red veils his face with the twilight on strife fratricidal already he gazed thou hadst thought there silvery cynthia obscuring her face at the full denied light to the outrage the mountain crests riven by rock slides roll thundering downward and wandering rivers to rivulets shrunk writhed no longer familiar marge's between with the clangour of armour the heavens resound from the stars wafts the thrill of a trumpet Sounding the call to arms, Etna, now roused to eruption unwanted, Darts flashes of flame to the clouds, Flitting phantoms appear midst the tombs and unburied bones, Gibbering menace a comet, strange stars in its diadem, Leads a procession and reddens the skies with its fire, Showers of blood fall from heaven, these portents the deity shortly fulfilled for now caesar forsook vacillation and spurred by the love of revenge sheathed the gaelic sword brandished the brand that proclaimed civil warfare there high in the alps where the crags by a greek god once trodden slope down and permit of approach is a spot ever sacred to hercules's altar the winter with frozen snow seals it and rears to the heavens a summit eternally hoary as though the sky there had slipped down no warmth from the sunbeams no breath from the springtime can soften the pile's wintry rigour nor slacken the frost chains that bind and its menacing shoulders the weight of the world could sustain with victorious legions These crests Caesar trod, and selected a camp, gazing downwards on Italy's plains, rolling afar from the top of the mountain. He lifted both hands to the heavens, his voice rose in prayer, Omnipotent Jove, and Thou, refuge of Saturn, whose glory was brightened by feats of my armies, and crowned with my triumphs, bear witness unwillingly summon i mars to these armies unwillingly draw i the sword but injustice compels me while enemy blood dies the rhine and the alps are held firmly repulsing a second assault of the gauls on our city she dubs me an outcast and victory makes me an exile to triumphs three score, and defeats of the Germans, my treason I trace. How can they fear my glory, or see in my battles a menace? But hirelings and vile, to whom my Rome is but a stepmother, methinks that no craven this sword arm shall hamper, and take not a stroke in repast. On to victory, comrades, while anger seethes hot with the sword we will seek a decision the doom lowering down is a peril to all and the treason my gratitude owe i to you not alone have i conquered since punishment waits by our trophies and victory merits disgrace then let chance cast the lots raise the standard of battle again take your swords well i know that my causes accomplish amidst such armed warriors i know that i cannot be beaten while yet the words echoed from heaven the bird of apollo vouchsafed a good omen and beat with his pinions the ether from out of the left of a gloomy grove strange voices sounded and flame flashed thereafter the sun gleamed with brighter refulgence unwanted his face in a halo of golden flame shining chapter the one hundred and twenty-third by omens emboldened to follow the battle flags, caesar commanded and boldly led on down the perilous pathway the footing firm fettered by frost chains and ice did not hinder at first but lay silent the kindly cold masking its grimness but after the squadrons of cavalry shattered the clouds bound by ice and the trembling steeds crushed in the mail of the rivers then melted the snows and soon torrents new-born from the heights of the mountains rush down but these also as if by commandment grow rigid and turn into ice in their headlong rush downwards now that which rushed madly a moment before must be hacked through but now it was treacherous baffling their steps and their footing deceiving and men horses arms fall in heaps in confusion and see now the clouds by an icy gale smitten their burden discharge Lo, the gusts of the whirlwind swirl fiercely around them, the sky in convulsions, with swollen hail, buffets them sorely. Already the clouds themselves rupture and smother their weapons, an avalanche icy roars down like a billow of ocean. Earth lay overwhelmed by the drifts of the snow, and the planets of heaven are blotted from sight. Overwhelmed are the rivers that cling to their banks, but unconquered is Caesar. His javelin he leans on and scrunches with firm step a passage the bristling grim ice-fields across, as, spurred on by the lust of adventure, Amphitryon's offspring came striding the Caucasus slopes down or jupiter's menacing mien as from lofty olympus he leaped the doomed giants to crush and to scatter their weapons while caesar in anger the swelling peaks treads down winged rumor in terror flies forth and on beating wings seeks the high summit of palatine tall every image she rocks with her message announcing this thunderbolt roman already the ocean is tossing his fleets now his cavalry reeking with german gore pours from the alps slaughter bloodshed and weapons the red panorama of war is unrolled to their vision by terror their hearts are divided two councils perplex them one chooses by land to seek flight to another the water appeals and the sea then his own land is safer another will stand to his arms and advantage extort from fate's mandate the depth of their fear marks the length of their flight in confusion the people itself shameful spectacle driven by terror is led to abandon the city. Rome glories in fleeing. The Carites, from battle blanch, cowed by the breath of a rumour, relinquished their firesides to mourning. One citizen, palsied with terror, his children embraces. Another, his Penates conceals in his bosom. Then, weeping, takes leave of his threshold and slaughters the distant invader with curses. Their spouses some clasp to their sorrow racked bosoms. Youths carry their fathers, bowed down with old age, uninured to the bearing of burdens. They seize what they dread to lose most. Inexperience drags all its chattels to camp and to battle, as when powerful Oster piles up the churned waters and tumbles them never a yard arm nor rudder to answer the hand here one fashions a life raft of pine planks another steers into some bay on a lee shore another will crack on and run from the gale and to fortune trust all but why sorrow for trifles the councils with pompey the great he the terror of pontus OF SAVAGE HYDASPES, EXPLORER, THE REEF THAT WRECKED PIRATES CAUSED JOVE TO TURN LIVID, WHEN THRICE WAS A TRIUMPH, DECREED HIM, WHOM Pontus's VEXED WATER AND PACIFIED BILLOWS OF BOSPORUS WORSHIPPED, DISGRACEFUL THEIR FLIGHT, TITLE AND GLORY FORSAKING, NOW FORTUNE CAPRICIOUS LOOKS DOWN ON THE BACK OF GREAT POMPEY, RETREATING IN TERROR. CHAPTER THE 124th So great a misfortune disrupted the concord of heaven, and God swelled the rout in their panic. Behold, through creation the gentle divinities flee from the ravening earth. In their loathing they turn from humanity, doomed to destruction. And first of all, peace with her snowy white arms Hides her visage, defeated her helmet beneath, And, abandoning earth, flees to seek out The realm of implacable dece as a refuge. Meek faith her companion, and justice with locks loosely flowing, And concord in tears, and her raiment in tatters, attend her the minions of pluto pour forth from the portals of darkness that yawn the serpent-haired fury bellona the savage megara with firebrands destruction and treachery livid death's likeness among them is frenzy as free with her lashings Snapped short she now raises her gory head shielding her features deep scarred by innumerous wounds beneath her helmet blood clotted her left arm she guards with a battle-scarred shield scored by weapons and numberless spearheads protrude from its surface her right hand a flaming torch brandishes kindling a flame that will burn up the world now the gods are on earth and the skies note their absence the planets disordered their orbits attempt into factions, the heavens divide. First, Dione espouses the cause of her Caesar. Minerva next steps to her side, and the great son of Ares, his mighty spear brandishing. Phoebus espouses the cause of great Pompey, his sister and Mercury also, and Hercules, like unto him in his travels and labors. The trumpets call, discord her stygian head lifts to heaven her tresses disheveled her features with clotted blood covered tears pour from her bruised eyes her iron fangs thick coated with rust her tongue distills poison her features are haloed with serpents her hideous bosom is visible under her tatters a torch with a blood-red flame waves from her tremulous right hand emerging from cassatus dark and from tartarus murky she strode to the crest of the apennine's noble the prospect of earth to survey spread before her the world panorama its shores and the armies that march on its surface these words then burst out of her bosom malignant two arms now ye nations While anger seeds hot, siege your arms, Set the torch to the cities, Who skulks now is lost, Neither woman nor child nor the aged, Bowed down with their years, Shall find quarter. The whole world will tremble, And roof-trees themselves shall crash down, And take part in the struggle. Marcellus, hold firm for the law, And thou, Curio, Madden, THE REBEL, THOU, LENTULUS, STRIVE NOT TO CHECK VALIANT Ares. THOU, CAESAR, DIVINE, WHY DELAYEST THOU NOW THINE INVASION, WHY SMASH NOT THE GATES, WHY NOT LEVEL THE WALLS OF THE CITIES, THEIR TREASURES TO PILLAGE, THOU, MAGNUS, DOST NOT KNOW THE SECRET OF HOLDING THE HILLS OF ROME, TAKE THOU THE WALLS OF Dirachium Let Thessaly's harbours be dyed with the blood of the Romans. On earth was obeyed every detail of discord's commandment. When Eumolpus had, with great volubility, poured out this flood of words, we came at last to Crotona. Here we refreshed ourselves at a mean in, but on the following day we went in search of more imposing lodgings, and fell in with a crowd of legacy-hunters, who were very curious as to the class of society to which we belonged, and as to whence we had come. Thereupon, in accord with our mutual understanding, such ready answers did we make as to who we might be or whence we had come, that we gave them no cause for doubt. They immediately fell to wrangling, in their desire to heap their own riches upon Eumolpus, and every fortune-hunter solicited his favour with presents. End of section 16